So whenever you were little, did anybody ever ask you, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, okay, I saw, some, I saw some head shaking. That's good. So for me, I wanted to be a lot of things. I wanted to be a professional athlete. I wanted to be rich. I wanted to be the president of the United States. That didn't happen, did it? No, but we, we do that, right? We, whenever we're little, we dream big things. We want to do big stuff. We want to be famous. Maybe we want to be rich. Maybe we want to just make a huge difference in the world. So we have these big dreams. In It's a Wonderful Life, George Bailey has some big dreams. Let me show you this clip where he's sitting at dinner with his dad, and he's talking about those big dreams and that little town that he lives in. Go ahead. So we have big dreams. George Bailey had big dreams. He wanted to build skyscrapers and roads and bridges. But what do we do when the dream dies? What do we do when we hurt our knee and the sports career is not available? Or you grow up like me and you realize that that's never going to happen. <laughs> or maybe your dream dies whenever the divorce papers are slid across table, or that pink slip shows up at the office on Monday. What about whenever your dream dies because you hear a doctor say, I'm sorry, your baby has no heartbeat. These things are like gut punches to us, and we all experience them, don't we? We experience these gut punches in life over and over again. Maybe your dream dies not because of a single gut punch, but because of those small decisions that you make. You know, you, you, you walk away from the promising career to take care of your children. You, you stay at home to take care of your aging parents. Good decisions, right decisions. But every positive decision you make ends up taking a little bit away from that dream of yours, right? Maybe you've got that friend that can't seem to make the right decisions. So he calls you up at 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, crashing on your couch. You're helping him over and over and over again. And your wife or your husband are like, why do you keep investing in him? Why do you keep giving him more chances? He's just going to go back the alcohol. See, sometimes whenever we help others, our dream dies along with it. That was George's story. That's what happened in his life. You see, he ended up managing that building and loan, financing houses for the little podunk town that he lived in, Bedford Falls. He kept making decision after decision, and whenever, whenever the, there was a run on the banks, he and his brand new wife gave away all of their money from their honeymoon so that other people could have something. But every time George made a decision, something changed. Something changed. Check out this clip here. <laughs> Our 
story changes, doesn't it? Even though George should be in the happiest moment of his life, there's still that part of his dream that's just, it's gone. So no matter what blessings he has in his life, he just can't see them the same. There's another story about a young couple whose life got turned upside down also. You find it actually in the Bible. Not surprising at this time of year, I'm going to bring up the story of Mary and Joseph. If you don't mind, open up your copy of the scriptures, turn it on, whatever it is that you've got with you. We're going to go to the book of Luke here. Luke chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 26 here. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Now, let me step back just a second. Elizabeth is one of Mary's extended family. We don't know exactly what the relationship was, but extended family. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, the virgin, to the virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. (laughs) I love this. Confused and disturbed, (laughs) Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Mary's world just got rocked. See, Mary had all the plans of being a quiet little family, a beautiful wedding, married to a carpenter. She was going to live in a quiet little town doing quiet little things. But God had a different plan. God had big plans for Mary. Mary had to now choose because that little dream of hers, doesn't matter how big or little the dream is, that dream dies immediately at the voice of an angel. So what does Mary do? What do we do whenever... Our dream dies. See, I think there's two different paths that you can take. One path is the path of self-destruction. And the other path is the path of recovery. George Bailey takes the path of self-destruction. George Bailey, in his building and loan, loses several thousand dollars. Money that they needed to pay on their loans, on their bills can't find it. Watch this clip. Right after this scene, George Bailey goes home. He's got several kids. He should have it all. But his dream has died. And now he's reacting in a path of self-destruction. And what he does is he yells at his kids, screams at his wife, and bursts out. See, the first stop on the path to self-destruction is isolation. We leave. We get away. From the people who probably could speak the most truth in our lives, we actually separate ourselves the most. Maybe because we're ashamed. Maybe because we're afraid. Maybe because we think they're the reason we're in this mess in the beginning. And so we isolate ourselves. The next step, the path of self-destruction, is medication. 
once we've gotten by ourselves, the only voice that we hear is our own. That's a very dangerous place to be, isn't it? Whenever the only voice you hear is your own. Because it tells you you're not good enough. It tells you you didn't do something right. And now you feel too much. And so you medicate. Alcohol, drugs. Maybe not. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's laziness. Doesn't matter what it is. The path to self-destruction starts with isolation and then moves to medication. We just have to stop feeling. Then, the third step is the worst. It's justification. We eventually and finally get to the place where we believe, we think, we reason, it'd be better off without us. You know what? It'd be better off without me. George gets this place. George finds himself on a bridge. And he has going in his mind a phrase that Mr. Potter told him whenever they were looking at the insurance policy that he owned. Mr. Potter told him, you're worth more dead than alive. Have you had that thought? I've had that thought before. That's the path to self-destruction. Isolation, medication, and justification. Some of us have been there. Some of us know exactly what that feels like. And if you know someone that, that is, is on that path, you can't fix them. You can help. You can walk beside them. You can wade into the muck and the mire of their lives with them. And I recommend that you do so. I recommend that you bring the hope of Jesus Christ with you. And you step into their life. And you intervene because the only way out of the path of self-destruction is intervention. In the movie, God sends an angel by the name of Clarence. Clarence intervenes in George Bailey's life. Shows him what life would be like if George Bailey's wish had become true. If he'd never been born. George Bailey starts to recognize that his life did mean something. It did have value. It did have worth. Let me stop for just a second. If you, yourself, are on that path of self-destruction, hear me very plainly and clearly. Get off of it. You have value, you have worth, you matter to somebody. Get help. Talk to me, talk to a counselor, talk to your spouse, your friend, somebody. Talk to them today. Don't let this go too far. I've seen too many people let it get too far. I've attended too many funerals of people that were on the path of self-destruction and they let it get too far. 
George got off that path. George, someone intervened in the life of George. George turned it around. Here's our last clip for today. That last scene is classic. Here's how to get off the path of self-destruction. Jesus. Jesus helps you get off the path of self-destruction. Started from a baby and never stopped. In fact, let's go and switch gears here. Let's look at the path of recovery because Mary's life, remember, it's turned upside down too. She's going to have a baby and she's not planning for one. She's not expecting one. And honestly, based off the way the social culture was working, she understands that a teenage mom who's not quite married with a baby is devastating. Devastating for her, devastating for her family, devastating for Joseph. The dream dies. But Mary chooses a different path, the path of recovery. Let's pick us up. Luke chapter 1, verse 39. Luke chapter 1, verse 39. Here it is. It says, A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. And at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, hold on a second, because there's, this, there's, a, there's a piece there that we just kind of run right over whenever we get to Elizabeth. We run over this, this, a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea. Mary leaps. <laughs> Mary bails out. Because Mary understands the first step on the path of recovery is actually grief. The first path on the step of recovery, on the step, on the, the, the first step on the path of recovery is grief. You see, we think of grief as a bad thing. We try to stop it as quickly as possible. That's not healthy. The grief is a healthy emotion. And if you're in a, in a period of grief right now, Different from the path of self-destruction, what you need to be doing is grieving with someone. A trusted friend, a spouse, someone that loves you. And if you have no one, Jesus loves you. But the first step in the path is grief. So she goes to her, her extended family, spends some time with them, finds joy in someone else. The second step on the path of recovery is growth. Or growth. At some point in time, we've got to be able to take what is all about us and our dream and rotate it around and focus on someone else, on focus on other things. Now, let's be careful. That's not a hours, days kind of thing. It could be months. It could be years. The grieving process does not get a time limit. The growing process does not get a time limit. 
This is a slow process, but a healthy process. Watch where Mary gets to eventually. Let's pick, up, let's pick this up in verse 46. Mary is responding to Elizabeth and, 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 and the birth of a baby and what it means for Mary as they talk about this. Here's how Mary responds, and, I, and this is just fascinating to me. Because this is a teenager. Don't forget this is a teenager doing this. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. That same little teenage girl who's pregnant, whose life got flipped upside down, who's seeing something different now. See, what she's seeing is worth. Not in her, not because she's special, but because her God is special. Let's continue on here. Verse 51 says, His mighty arm, God's mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he has made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Understand what's going on. Mary is looking both backwards and forwards at the same time. This is fascinating out of a teenager. Absolutely fascinating. This looks like purpose to me. She's moving with her worth found in God, and God has given her a new purpose, a purpose that lines with Jesus and moves with Jesus to do huge things. Mary had a dream that was small, and God said, no, I've got a dream for you that is big. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. These are the words of a teenage girl that lives in some little backwater community. Smaller than Jessup, by the way. This is a little town. She is a nobody. Her husband happens to come for royal lineage, but that doesn't really matter anymore. He's a carpenter. He doesn't live in a palace. This is worth and purpose on steroids. Are you kidding me? This is amazing. She grows into something that is incredible here. She remembers something else. Recovery does not mean going back to that old dream. If you've got the divorce papers you may not be able to go back. If that baby is not sustainable, you may not be able to go back. But what it does mean, the path to recovery does mean that you can dare to grab a hold of a new dream. A dream that God has planted in your heart and in your soul. One that doesn't necessarily magnify you and glorify you, but magnifies glorifies your Savior. The next step on the path of recovery is go. To get up and go. Let's finish this out here. We're going to jump all the way down. Whoop, there we go. To verse 80. Oops, that's not right. 
I'm in the wrong spot. Verse 56, I'm sorry. Chapter 1, verse 56. Let's see if the tech folks can catch up back up with me since I've messed them up. Here's what it is. It says, Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. Now let's jump all the way over to chapter 2. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. Because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging for them. You know what Mary does? She goes back home. She goes forward, not backward. For the rest of Mary's life, it's different. Everywhere she goes, Jesus it casts a very long shadow. And Mary's still a mom. So later on we read that Mary thinks her son's lost his mind because he's talking about things that are much, much bigger than anybody from Nazareth should think about, than anybody from Galilee should think about. But Mary takes the path of recovery. And we remember her to this day. At Christmas time, we celebrate a baby. That's very appropriate. But let us never forget that that baby grows up, dies on a cross, to provide the hope that we need to be on the path of recovery. I told you before that the, path, the way to get off the path of self-destruction is Jesus. The way to get on the path of recovery is Jesus. If you need help, if you need hope, worth, value, purpose, it's found in Jesus. It's found in Jesus. And this time of the year is the best time of the year to make a decision for Jesus. I know we're doing at the movies, but I couldn't help but throw a carol into this message as well. See, there's a carol that kind of picks up on this, some of this as well. It's one of my favorites. It's O Holy Night, and I'm not going to sing it, thankfully. Here's how it goes. O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Did you catch that word? Worth. Whenever Jesus enters your life, worth is what comes along with it. Value is what comes along with it. Let's jump down a little bit in the song here. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break for the slave is our brother. And in his name, and here it is, all oppression shall cease. If you need purpose, start by canceling out oppression. If you have the value of Jesus in your life, you can also cause oppression to cease. 
because that's the power of Jesus. That's amazing. That's worth it. That's worth celebrating, isn't it? So, if you heard absolutely nothing I said this morning, I want you to hear this. When your dream dies, grieve with God. Grow in God. And go for God. We all get on the path of self-destruction at some point in time or another. All of us do. But you don't have to stay there. That's the promise. That's the hope. That's what the season is all about. See, we have this season during a time of year that represents death. Winter, cold, trees losing their leaves. And it's amazing that during this season, there's this spike of hope right in the middle of it. That is Christmas. And if you can find yourself with God on the path of recovery, yeah, you can have a wonderful life too. Let me pray for you, and then I've got a couple of instructions. Heavenly Father, someone in this room is finding themselves on the path of destruction. Someone watching this online has found themselves in the path of destruction. Father, I pray for an intervention. Father, I pray that you would intervene in their life, that their spouse or their friend would intervene in their life, that you would push someone into their path to help them get off of that path of self-destruction onto a path of recovery. Father, thank you that Jesus provides worth and purpose because that's how we grow. Father, be with us as we grieve the losses that are in our lives. Be with us as we grow and be with us as we go forward again. Father, give us new dreams. Father, never stop giving us dreams. Dreams not just about us, but dreams about what you will do through us. And God, we will turn praise and glory and honor back to you. For it's in your holy name that we pray. Amen.